Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray. And Lord, it is beneath your cross in which we stand. So thankful to be covered by your grace that was expressed on an old rugged cross upon which our Savior was hanged. We're so thankful, Lord, that you died not to cover a portion of our sin, but to cover it all, to cleanse us through and through, to make us clean, to make us fresh, to make us new. And so, Lord, in your grace, we come now before you to learn from your word in the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when this experience comes to an end and we go back out into the world, that we would go out different, more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray, amen. We're in a series now called Decided. And it's all about the fact that we have decided to follow Jesus. We sang that as our hymn of response last week. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And so what does it look like when someone has decided to follow Jesus? We're going to look back to the first followers of Jesus and see what that looked like in their lives. Because Jesus didn't call us to a one-time decision to say, okay, I'll receive Christ. No, He called us to a lifestyle of trusting and following Jesus such that every decision that we make is influenced by him. We talked about last week how, for those of you who are familiar with the school cafeteria, and you would go in and you would get your lunch tray, and you would have the various parts of the tray that you would put your entree in, the primary side and the secondary side and the dessert, and you even even had a place for the milk that so often many of us can look at our lives like that cafeteria tray and put Jesus over in the secondary side place. We want him to be part of our lives, but we don't want him bleeding over into all of our lives. Well, no, what Jesus calls us to do is to allow him to be the tray, the foundation upon which everything else is built, the one that holds all things together and the one that that holds us together. And so we want to live lives that are characterized by Jesus through and through in everything we are and in everything we do. Now, if you're like me, that can be a struggle sometimes because if you're like me, you're not perfect. And we don't have to go to your husband or your wife to get them to tell us that you're not perfect. No, I think all of us are in a place where we can say, yeah, I'm not not perfect. I mess up. I I get a lot of things wrong. I get a few things right along the way, but but sometimes I get more wrong than I get right. Well, we're not alone in that. We have a tradition of 2,000 years of Christian history of men and women who were imperfect, who were absolutely in need of the grace of God to forgive them of their sin, but then also to lead them along the path upon which Jesus would call them to walk. Well, we're the same way. So over the next several weeks, we're going to look back at some of these first disciples, and we're going to be encouraged because we're going to see that just like us, they were imperfect too. They needed the grace of God not only to, for, to begin their relationship with Jesus, but to walk in it just like we do. So today, we're going to look at Peter, 
And I am so excited to look with you today at the life of the Apostle Peter. We're going to start in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. If you're in the room, that's the Red Pew Bible in front of you, page 861. But we're not going to stay there. I want to kind of give you different vignettes from Peter's life to see the transformation that Jesus brought about in him. But he started in a place where his confession to Jesus, as recorded in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, was this, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter had been humbled because Jesus had brought about a miraculous catch of fish. That happened twice in Peter's life. Unbelievable. We'll see the surroundings of both of those incidents today. But Peter, when he had this inclination that Jesus was something more than just another human being, fell down before him, called him Lord, and said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And For every human being who's ever lived, other than Jesus Christ himself, that's where we all start. We all start from a place, if we're honest with ourselves, of saying, God, I'm a sinner, and I believe you're the Savior. But before you, I see your perfection, and all my imperfections are magnified. And so like Peter, we say, depart from me. I'm, I'm a sinner. You have no business being around somebody like me, and I certainly have no business being around you. The theme that I want to give us today is this. Peter decided to follow Jesus, and his life was transformed. Peter decided to follow Jesus, and his life was transformed. So I want you to join me in turning to a few different passages of Scripture. The first we're going to is Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Mark, interestingly, most scholars believe that Mark derives his information not from his own eyewitness account. He wasn't there for most of Jesus' ministry. Mark derives his information from Peter. Peter told Mark these things. This is, this is Peter's spirit-guided remembrance of his interactions with Jesus. And Peter's spirit-guided remembrance would influence not only Mark, but also Matthew and also Luke. That the synoptic gospels center around this remembrance of Peter who was up close and personal in looking at the life of Jesus. So this is where it starts. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Mark writes, as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Our first point today is this. Peter followed Jesus to a new lifestyle. Peter followed Jesus to a new lifestyle. Notice what is happening. Simon, who would become Peter, 
and his brother Andrew are working with their partners, James and John, whose dad is Zebedee, and they're catching fish. But they're not catching fish because they like to catch fish on the weekends. They're catching fish so that they can fund their lives. This is their job. This is their trade. This is the family business. They didn't go on to seminary. They didn't go to to synagogue school. No, they went back after learning Torah at a very young age. They were then trained by their parents in what it means to catch fish, to sell fish, to eat fish. So they're out just doing their job. They're seeking to build their business. And in seeking to build their business, what are they doing? Well, they're seeking to build their lives. They're building their households. Peter is supporting his wife, and he's supporting his mother-in-law, who's sick. Peter's working. He's just working to build his life. I love that about Peter, because that's us. How many of you know what it is to go to work to build your life? How many of you know what it is to have to get there on time? Because if you get fired, that's going to make Christmas really kind of rough. How many of you know what it is just to go through the mundane details of life, trying to get things done so that you can build your life, so that you can build your household and support your family and be everything that you're supposed to be? That's what Peter and his brother were doing out on the boat that day. And Jesus came to them. And he issued a call to them. It was two words. It's a call that was issued to Peter multiple times throughout his life, as we'll see. But it's the same call that he uses for everyone. It's the same call he uses for me. It's the same call he uses for you. Two words. Follow me. Follow me. That as we learn from our Lord having been cleansed by him of our sin, having been given by him the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we are able to live lives that now look more and more like his. That's what it's supposed to be. But here's an interesting nugget from this beginning moment where Simon and Andrew and James and John heard the call of Jesus. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. What is he doing? He's taking what they thought was to be their life, and he's showing them why God designed them that way. They weren't going to be fishers of fish forever. God had a different plan for them. So they had been laboring to build their own kingdom. And Jesus said, no, now you're going to contribute to mine. And there's a moment for everyone who trusts and follows Jesus that if you're going to grow in maturity, your focus has to shift. Your focus has to shift from building your own kingdom to now contributing to his. And that looks different, doesn't it? It looks different in the way that you invest your resources. It looks different in the, in the way that you, you parent your children. It looks different in the way that you are a husband or a wife to your spouse. It looks different in the way that you go to your job. It looks different in the way that you approach your school, your training, your education. It looks different in every decision that you make. To go from building your own kingdom to contributing to his what revolutionizes your life. Because now you understand that you are not the centerpiece, or in in modern parlance, you're not the main character. Jesus is. You're a contributing character. We contribute to his kingdom. 
We contribute to his story. We contribute to his glory. And that changes the way we look at things. No longer is my stuff my stuff. It's his stuff that he's entrusted to me to steward for a moment. And so I want to surrender it to his will. Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. Whatever you call me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever you call me to go, that's where I'm going to go. Lord, I am here not to build my own kingdom. I'm here to contribute to yours. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I'm calling you into a different lifestyle. But don't worry, that's what I made you to be in the first place. So, Peter followed Jesus to a new lifestyle. But now turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 16 through 18. We're going from the side of the Sea of Galilee there at Capernaum, and we're going over to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is now called Banias or Banias, um, and it's still there, still in the Holy Land. You can go there and you can see that it was one time a place for the worship of multiple gods. It, it was a place for the worship of Baal. It was a place for the worship of the Greek god Pan. Those shrines are still there. Uh, you can go to a big opening to a cave that is called the Gates of Hell because there's a river that comes out of there and that's where they used to sacrifice human beings. Children, people, you know, sacrifice human beings to pagan gods. The Gates of Hades, where you go from this life to the next. Well, in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus is there with his disciples, and he asks them an interesting question. This is recorded in Matthew chapter 16. He says, who do people say that I am? And so they start to give him answers. Well, some people say you're, you're Elijah, or you're Jeremiah, or you're one of the prophets. Some people say you're John the Baptist, come back to life. And then Jesus shifts his gaze to focus intently on his disciples and asks them the question that we all must answer. Incidentally, heaven and hell for you hinges on your answer to this question. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered on behalf of the group. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is huge. This is Peter answering on behalf of the disciples that you, Jesus, are the Messiah. You are the one who has prophesied well over 300 times in the Old Testament. You are the one upon whom we are waiting. You are the consolation of Israel. You are the Christ. You are the Son. And Psalm 2 says, kiss the Son lest he be angry with you. You are the Christ of God. You are the Son of God. And Jesus replies by saying in Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If you go with me to the Holy Land, you will stand there with the gates of hell in the background, a place where they worshiped pagans and sacrificed human beings unto pagan gods. And you will be in the place where Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail, shall not prevail over the kingdom of God. 
But notice what Jesus does here. He gives Peter a new name. He says, Simon, I tell you, you are Peter. In the Greek, that is Petros. It means rock. And then he said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. The word for rock that he then uses later in the sentence is Petra. Petros sounds a lot like Petra. Sounds a lot like a band many of you listened to in the 90s. Rock. He's giving Peter a new name because Peter understands the identity of Jesus. And when you understand the identity of Jesus, your identity comes into focus. Peter understood, you are the Christ, Jesus, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, yeah, your daddy, Jonah, he didn't reveal this to you. My Father in heaven revealed this to you. So Simon, son of John, Simon Bar-Jonah, your name is now Peter. And Peter was the first to make this confession that the other apostles would make and that Christians down throughout the centuries would make. It is this confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, built upon the firm foundation of this confession that Peter made. And it's the confession that we make today. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and we surrender our lives to him. But Peter got a new name. Why? Because Jesus gave him a new identity. Our second point is this. Peter followed Jesus to a new identity. Peter followed Jesus to a new identity. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, Paul would tell us that the household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So this confession that Peter gives is the foundation upon which every church, the church, is built, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that is transformative because as we surrender our lives to Jesus, something miraculous happens. We become new. We become new. God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. How many of you are thankful you're not what you used to be because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ? How many of you are thankful that you don't struggle with the same things you used to struggle with? How many of you are thankful for the transformative work of Jesus in your life? I am. To look back and see how far he's brought me, recognizing I've still got a long way to go, it's unbelievable what he's done in me. And it's unbelievable what he's done in you if you've surrendered your life to him. And he's not done yet. But you're a new creation in Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ in Galatians 2.20. He said, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In fact, the life I live in the body, I live by the grace of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I am new. And if you're in Christ, you're new too. You have the opportunity to have this identity rooted and established in Jesus Christ, recognizing that he is the center of your being. And he is the one who is working in you and through you that which is pleasing in his sight. He is the one who will bless others through you and make your community better as you serve them in the name of Jesus. 
So Peter got a new identity. He got a new name. But everybody who comes to Christ gets a new identity. You may not have the new name, but you get a new identity. You are now in Christ, and you in Christ is fundamentally different from you outside of Christ. You've been declared justified. You have been forgiven of your sin. You've been adopted into the family of God. You have been born anew to a new and living hope that can never be taken away from you. You have a new identity in Jesus Christ, just like Peter did. Well, now turn with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. This is um, this is where it kind of gets tough. Peter had a lot of ups and downs, and if I had 10 hours to preach today, we would look at every one of them. I don't. Come back to Vespers. I'll give you part two, but... This is where it gets tough. Peter's been following Jesus. He's left everything to follow Jesus. He's, he's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's doing it imperfectly, but he's doing it earnestly. He loves Jesus. Sometimes Peter runs his mouth. Do you, can you identify with that? Do you ever let things come out of your mouth that maybe you might should have left in there? Do you ever open your mouth wide enough for your foot to fit squarely inside? Does that ever happen to you? Some of you, it does, I can tell you. Talk to me after the service. I'll let you know if it happens to you. Because, yeah, it happens to me too. Aren't you glad God gave us Peter to be encouraged? Peter had told Jesus, nothing will ever happen to you on my watch. I'm paraphrasing here. Nobody will get to you. I'll die before they get to you. In Luke chapter 22, we're going to see that Peter wasn't quite as strong as he thought. Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. Luke records this as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this. Then they seized him, Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly, this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I want you to go with me in your mind to the eastern slope of Mount Zion, which is just south of the old city of Jerusalem, to a church building that is called St. Peter Gallicantu. Gallicantu is Latin for rooster crow. Atop the church that's been built there, what they believe to be Caiaphas's house, the site of Caiaphas's house, there's a black cross with a golden rooster on top. Underneath the church is the dungeon where they believe Jesus was held overnight. We've been in that dungeon. We've sung in that dungeon. But we've also been in that place where, oddly enough, while we were there, a rooster crowed. 
The third point I want to give you today is that Peter followed Jesus to a new realization. A new realization. And that realization was this. Peter, you're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as firm and unwavering as you thought you were. Apparently, you still have feet of clay. And even as you trust and follow Jesus, you are just as much in need of Jesus' grace today as you were the very first day when you said to him, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. We are all continually in need of the grace of God. There's never a point where we reach it and say, God, I've got it from here. Peter learned that lesson the hard way. And so many of us have learned that lesson the hard way too. Because when it was all on the line, Peter failed. And Luke tells us that Jesus looked at him when it happened. Can you imagine? He wept bitterly. Jesus was taken and crucified. Three days later, he arose from the grave. And sometime after his resurrection, Simon, Peter, and the boys had gone a-fishing. That's what it says in the King James, I go a-fishing. They went with him. And they saw Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He was cooking breakfast. There was another miraculous catch that happened. But in John chapter 1, John records, beginning with verse 15, that when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The fourth point I want to give us today is this. Peter followed Jesus to a new forgiveness. There are a whole lot of depths we could dive into in this text, but for now, just suffice it to say, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Here, Jesus is reinstating Peter, and you can go to what is called the Church of St. Peter's Primacy that is built upon the location where they believe this happened. And you can see the sort of forgiveness that Jesus gave to Peter. Would you have forgiven Peter? If one of your closest friends had denied you and that denial resulted in your death, that he had promised he would die for you, wouldn't even, wouldn't even acknowledge that he knew you, would you have forgiven Peter? I don't know, man. I, I think I would have struggled with it. But not Jesus. He forgave Peter. He loved Peter. Though Peter wasn't as strong as he thought he was, as Peter thought he was, Jesus still imparted his grace to Peter 
Because where was Peter in this moment? He was where Jesus was. And that's part of following Jesus. When you stray away, come back. What will you find there? Love and forgiveness. Say, I don't know if I'd forgive me. You might be right. But Jesus will, because he's better than all of us. Well, Jesus ascended into heaven, and Peter was the one who was used as the mouthpiece, the spokesman of the apostles when the day of Pentecost came. And then he and John were going into the old city, going up to the temple to pray at the gate called Beautiful, and there was a beggar there, and, and God used Peter and John to heal him. And then Peter boldly proclaimed the name of Jesus again. The religious leaders who had crucified Jesus were greatly annoyed. They thought they were done with this Jesus. They were learning it was only just beginning. Because this same Peter, who in front of Caiaphas, talking to servants, couldn't acknowledge that he knew Jesus, said in Acts chapter 4, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved than that of Jesus Christ. Our fifth and final point is that Peter followed Jesus to a new boldness. Peter followed Jesus to a new boldness. And Caiaphas and Annas and the high priestly family recognized that boldness. They recognized Peter and John now recognizing the Bible says that they had been with Jesus. And the fact that they had been with Jesus and the fact that in that moment they were still trusting and following Jesus and the fact that they understood that Jesus was with them always even unto the end of the age put in them a boldness to declare the name of Jesus no matter who was listening. So they declared the name of Jesus to the very people who had sentenced Jesus to death. Peter had quite a journey from depart from me for I am a sinful man to there is one name found under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He had quite a journey and we've left out a lot. But his entire journey happened because he decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Jesus Christ transformed him from a sinner into a saint. And he does the same thing for everyone who gives their life to Jesus. So what sort of transformative work is Jesus doing in you? Have you decided to follow him? Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.